0: For way too long, and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top 5s and deep dives, we're to PTM.
1: Top 5s and deep dives, we're to of PTM. Top 5s and deep dives, we're to PTM. Top 5s and deep dives, we're of PTM.
0: guys, welcome to top, top fives and deep dives. I'm Justin. I'm over in LA. We've got Mike over in London. What's up, my brother? Yo, yo,
1: how's it going? Good. How you doing? Good, man. I'm good. I, I have to say, tell our listeners, you know, just before we started recording here, you're bringing some serious energy and, and I love it. I'm <laughs> pumped.
0: <laughs> oh, I am. I don't know what I am. I'm a ball of energy right now. I'm very pumped about this topic. I think we this is a personal topic at least for me, because we've
1: definitely been there together,
0: that's for sure, oh yeah, that is no question and uh topic this week top five one crazy night movies, which I'm gonna be honest before we picked the topic, I didn't quite realize was a a genre and it and it absolutely is there's so many more films. For this genre than I ever could have imagined. And I realize how much I love it, how much I love it. It, it, You know, movies that take place over the course of one night. And yes, there's typically most movies have some portion that's in daylight. But generally speaking, these movies are about the craziness that happens over the course of a night. Would you say that's a pretty good definition?
1: For sure. I mean, they're, they're, almost fully taking place over that over in the nighttime period and I think for me it's it's not just you know the sort of time that it's set in it's also that sense of like anything can happen you know that kind of adventure where you know like this is just going to get out of control mm-hmm. uh, until the sun comes up and, and brings the world back to normal
0: I, I fully agree and it's I, I mean dude it shocked me how many movies are a part of this this genre
1: dude I, I love it i can't wait to see what you've come up with I, I have a feeling you you dug deep and and we could really you know come up with some crazy
0: stuff i did dig deep and like as we know i am someone who loves to just think about this till the last second I change things as you know right up until the moment I say my my number five and I am just this one has just me in in shambles in the sense of because I dug deep there's a bunch of movies I saw for the first time that I really liked but then I also have some just absolute all-time favorites and it's been such a such a struggle internally Trying to figure out, well, do I just pick all my favorites? Do I maybe leave out a favorite or two to to slot in a new one that I really like that I saw for the first time? And it's been it's been hurting me inside because I'd say there's probably probably like eight or nine that I really want to include all on the top five. and i and I actually feel blessed that there was a few that I'd never seen that I'm gonna end up watching after the episode. Because I don't know if I could have had a couple more to have in the pot to have to decide between. I just couldn't do it
1: well, I mean, let's let's get to our spotlight because i I really I really
0: need to hear your lists. I got to be honest i I can't wait to hear yours. So our spotlight, which in a sense, was the inspiration for the episode, although it's not necessarily a one night film, but I think you guys will get the gist with with the title. Um, our spotlight is last night in Soho, the new Edgar Wright film. And I mean, just to give a little bit of info on it, for those of you that don't know anything about it, it's got Thomas and McKenzie as the lead and then also Anya Taylor joy, who of course was in Queen's Gambit, and the the final performance of Diana Rigg, with some other great actors in here as well. But Mike, what do you think?
1: You know, I, I have to say that I, I had to sit with this one for a while. It's been, I don't know, maybe two weeks since I've seen it. Um, and I was a, when I saw it, it wasn't at all really what I expected. But, you know, having sat with it, I can say it's definitely an enjoyable film. Um, I do think, you know, Edgar set the bar so high with, with some of his films that I just don't think it's it's some of his best work which it's kind of unfortunate and maybe unfair in a sense because you can't fault someone for making great films but it's 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 a little bit messy um it's it's from someone that's normally kind of polished um, the two leads are great um it's it's legitimately like frightening at times though it's also strange to see someone like edgar like doing a lot of jump scares and I, and and at the end of the day i don't know that it you know it, it's it's a gripping film um, it's an effective film. It's a worthwhile film, but I don't know that it made sort of as big of a statement or a splash as as he was hoping for
0: brother. So I want everyone to know I saw this yesterday and I have been thinking about it since I saw it. And, I, you know, of course, I didn't have the two weeks to sit on it. I've had about 24 hours. I saw it with dear friend of the pod, Dylan Finerty. Big shout. And look, Mike, I think we are somewhat on the same page in that I got out of it and I initially said, yeah, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, it was interesting. Um, my my initial thought, which I still stand by, is I thought it had a lot of style, but I didn't feel like it had any soul. And I, I love Edgar Wright's films, typically, I can say without question, this was my least favorite of his. As I've let it simmer over the last twenty four hours, I actually have liked it less. I I think I left saying I thought it was pretty enjoyable and it was interesting, and I still stand by that. But this movie just, I yeah, I don't think it had much much of a message. I think whatever he was trying to get across got muddled, and. I didn't feel like either timeline was well developed enough. I thought that again, there was a lot of style and there was a lot of interesting ideas he threw in and and the plot in and of itself was, was interesting and it was engaging, but it didn't, I didn't care about the characters that deeply. It just didn't like it, it didn't go deep enough. I it lacked depth in my opinion and for a guy who seems to be so meticulous in his movie making, yeah, I thought he got a little lazy here. I and not it's maybe that's harsh. I mean, it's it's very creative vision, but I just he was missing something for me.
1: No, I th- I think you're getting at something that I felt too is that he's especially like even recently like when when I watch Baby Driver. I think like, this is a guy that's – he's basically flexing. He's in yes. complete control of the film. He's doing exactly what he wants to at all times It, it at, like, at such a high level. And this kind of just felt like he wanted to do something and just wasn't able to fully execute it, which is to say I still think it's an enjoyable film. I absolutely think that you should go see it. But it is – he's such a good filmmaker that – I think there's no way that you won't leave the theater slightly disappointed if you're expecting a masterpiece.
0: I think you just said it perfectly. He's such a great filmmaker and it's interesting and it's worth seeing, but ultimately he missed the mark and he wasn't quite able to execute it. Yeah. That's that's where we're at. Again, if you get a chance to see it, He's a very interesting filmmaker, so it's worth seeing. But I I don't think you're going to... I'd be surprised if you leave trying to tell me that it's one of his best films.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. We're here. We are here. So is your number five
0: set? Bro, I'm going to be doing something first time ever on pod. Okay. How is that even possible? I don't even give a fuck. That's how much I don't give a fuck that I'm just going so off script I just, I can't control myself. You ready? I I think. Three-way tie at number five, baby. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, no, no, you know what? Give me all three, but then pick an official, maybe. Okay, I dig that. I think I can handle that. Three-way tie. I just, I did everything I could, everyone. I just couldn't choose, although I'm about to be forced to. It's a three-way tie between Project X from 2012, 1987's Adventures in Babysitting, and speaking of our man Edgar Wright, 2013's The World's End. Can Can I vote? Can I submit a vote? You are allowed to submit a vote. I can't promise that'll be the choice. I would love for you to pick Adventures in Babysitting because
1: I'm not a big fan of that film, but it's like an absolute classic in this subgenre.
0: You know what? For that reason, and I'm going to put this out there to the world, gun to my head right now, I think I would choose Project X just because it's so much fun and I can rewatch that movie a lot. But for the sake of bringing a classic of the genre into the spotlight... Let's talk about 1987's Adventures in Babysitting. Yes. Okay. So I'd never seen this film, like, until this past week. And I, of course, once I started researching this genre, I was like, how the fuck have I not seen this movie in the first place? Because it's directed by Chris Columbus, who I absolutely love. I mean, if you are a kid that grew up in the 90s, you most likely love this man, given that he... Directed the Home Alone films, Mrs. Doubtfire. I mean, and this was his first. This was his directorial debut. Adventures in Babysitting. It stars Elizabeth Shue in the in the in the main role. She plays Chris. It. it and, and by the way, I mean, there's some amazing people in this that, like, of course, later in their careers got really big. Like, you've got Bradley Whitford in there, and you've got uh, Vincent D'Onofrio in there. Anyways. This movie essentially Elizabeth Shue. She plays Chris, who agrees to uh, babysit for the night after her boyfriend stands her up. So she's babysitting these two kids. These uh, these two kids. It's it's a boy and a girl, and then the go- the boy who has like a bit of a crush on her. His buddy, who's just like a you know your classic, just like. Loud mouth, like, uh, just a fucking piece of work kid. He ends up tagging along, and Chris's friend calls her and needs to be like rescued from from this bus station, and they're in Chicago. Chris Columbus loves doing movies in Chicago. It ends up being just an insane night where they're driving around and get themselves into all kinds of trouble and going through all kinds of adventures, for lack of a better term. So it's, look, I, this movie is just plain old, good old-fashioned fun. Also, by the way, the the poster for the movie, like the cover is incredible. But uh, it's just, when I think of a movie, like when I'm sitting down to watch, to be honest, Home Alone, speaking of Chris Columbus, or when I'm sitting down to watch, I'm trying to think of another very wholesome film, like the Goonies or something. Also Chris Columbus. Wait, is it? He wrote that. Film. That's right. He did. I just, it, Chris Columbus just has a fucking gift. But when I'm sitting down to, to watch a movie like that, it's just good fun for the whole family. And there's something about it that even as an adult for me, I don't watch it and think like, Oh, this is like this family film. I'm just like, this is just good, clean fun. And this movie, I lo- I feel like it has all the benchmarks of a good one crazy night film. It's within that night, many different destinations are visited. There's many different scenarios and hijinks that the characters get themselves into. And you really get to find all the characters quite charming. It's a good cast. It just really had it all for me. And it, it's yeah, it's relatively formulaic in the grand scheme of things. There's nothing super out of the ordinary, but that's what this type of movie is. And I, I thought it was great. I I think if you have never seen this and you're a fan of movies like the Home Alone films or the Goonies, like I said, if you're a fan of those type of movies, there, it's undeniable that this movie's a good time.
1: OK, I feel like Adventures in Babysitting is a little bit of a mic pick. I gotta be honest. Wow. I'm, I'm proud of you. Um, I love that you've discovered this film. I think it's it does a fantastic job capturing the feel of the one crazy night, and I think it does a great job also of, you know, I obviously know where, where you've grown up, and you know where I've grown up, and it captures that going to the big city and sort of not necessarily getting in trouble. Like We didn't all go into the city and like have something terrible happen, mm-hmm. but like Just the feeling that things are going bad and you're like a little bit scared but don't want to admit it. Mm -hmm. That definitely rings true for our childhood. Um, Elizabeth Shue is goddamn delightful as always. She really is. I just cannot get the characters in this film. They just feel like sort of composites of like 80s sitcom one liners. Like I just don't get them at all. And it just never works for me totally. Mm-hmm. Not that I hate the film, but like that's kind of my one knock on it. But I'm just I'm just so glad that it's here. It's it deserves to be here. I love that you've put it here at number five.
0: Okay. I'm like, I'll take that. That makes me I'm very pumped that you're pumped about its inclusion.
1: I really am. I really am. And honestly, especially compared to my number five, that that really is a bit of a mic pick. This is a little shocking and I love it.
0: Bro, and like I'm gonna be honest. There was another pick that almost went on that we'll talk about in honorables unless you have it on your list. That almost was another crazy Mike pick. I got like pretty Mike on this on this episode.
1: I fucking love it. I fucking love it. Um, OK, well, that leads me to my number five, Please. which is significantly more mainstream. And that is 2004's Collateral.
0: Oh, one of my first honorables. Such a good pick.
1: Uh, you know, it's a Michael Mann film uh, starring Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx and, and Jada Pinkett's in there as well. And Mark Ruffalo, it's kind of smaller roles. But uh, yeah, this this is all about, um, you know, Jamie Foxx is a cab driver and Tom Cruise gets in his cab. Turns out to be not such a good guy and, and kind of craziness um, ensues from there. And uh, actually, Jimmy Fox was nominated for this for Best Supporting Actor, which I did not realize until researching for this. I didn't realize that either. It's, it's just such a tight, intense thriller. It has like a real, um, without giving anything away, you know, even when you know things are like going to go bad, it has a really, really like jarring kind of kickoff to the whole thing where you just sort of realize how crazy it's going to be. Jamie Foxx is a is a really interesting job, like playing kind of almost like meek and like timid as a cab driver, which I think is, you know, not not something you see him doing often. Um, which is really cool. And and on the other side, I mean, when do you get to see Tom Cruise as a villain? So rare. Almost never. And he's great. I love it. And and what what the other thing that he has is like you don't really hate him. You know what I mean? Like he's Tom Cruise, so you're still like, yeah, I'm into this guy. You know, and he's not, he doesn't necessarily set out to like, obviously, you know, things aren't going to go well, but like, it's not that he's treating Jamie Foxx terribly all the time. And he does a great job of kind of towing that line where you can sort of identify with him um, enough to keep you interested in both characters. And they just, yeah, they have a great chemistry, could have been a chemistry episode, to be honest.
0: Wow. Really could have.
1: And, you know, obviously Michael Mann knows what he's doing, uh, directing films like this. And it's just, I I saw this again, like, I don't know, maybe like six months ago. And I kind of forgot how much I liked it. So, yeah, absolutely uh, a deserving, I think, let's say top 10, uh, one crazy night film.
0: 100% agree. Love this pick. And... It's dude, I would truly say collateral for me, which I, I really liked when it first came out. I think it honestly ages like a fine wine. I like it even more the more Absolutely.
1: I watch it. Absolutely. Completely agree. Yeah.
0: And one of Tom I mean, I am a big Tom Cruise fan. Say what you will about that man, but he can carry a film and this is one of my favorite roles of his. It's just so different for him.
1: Yeah. I, I, I love I love the gray hair Tom Cruise as well.
0: Fuck. I wish we had a little bit more gray, Tom. I think. He's probably getting to that age where we might start to get some of
1: it. Well, I mean, it's like we have to stop like coloring his hair and bring him in Mission Impossible movies. I know. You know. That's what I'm
0: saying. I know. Two, two more, maybe, maybe three, and then then we'll okay. then we'll get him <laughs> then we'll get the gray hair, Tom. Um. All right. All right. Wow. Great number five. Um. I'm about to just take us on a journey for number four, which some could say another mic pick. I say this is really also a bit on brand for me because i really like these kinds of movies but a mic pick in the sense of it's definitely a hidden gem so my number 4 is 2013's absolute mindfuck coherence
1: oh i've never seen this
0: oh my god bro oh my god if there's one movie that has stuck with me in the last few months it is this movie. I have not been able to stop thinking about it for about a week. I'm going to be honest, the absolute best way to go into this, which I was told to go into it this way, and I've seen people on Reddit after doing much, much research after, because it's one of those movies, have said the same. Better to go in knowing as little as possible. And so I am going to give the most bare-bone synopsis possible. So... Essentially, the plot of the film, it's very low budget, by the way. But with that said, it doesn't feel super low budget because of how they shoot the film for sort of the concepts they're going for. But the director who also wrote the screenplay is James Ward uh, Bierkitt. It has become like a crazy cult classic pretty quickly. Um, and everyone in it does a fantastic job uh, acting. I don't know if you guys know any of these people, but we have Emily Baldoni in the the main role, Maury Sterling, Nicholas Brendan, Elizabeth Grayson, Laureen Scafaria, Hugo Armstrong, um, Alex Minugian, and Lauren uh, Mayer. I feel the need to, to shout out those eight people because they're pretty much the eight people we see on the screen throughout the film. Anyways, the plot, there's eight friends that reunite for a dinner party being held at one of their houses, and it's on the night that this comet, Miller's Comet, is passing over Earth, and that is all I'm going to say about the entire film. Know that it is a sci-fi-leaning film, and, and that's literally all I'm saying, but... It is one of the most insane sort of psychological thriller slash just mind fucks, I I, maybe that I've ever seen. Another human that loves these types of films is, is our good friend, Dr. Action, Ian Fisher. And I immediately texted him after watching and he was like, oh, dude, that fucking movie is unbelievable. You will be talking about this movie with whoever will listen to you after. Um, but it takes place over the course of one night and the, the, the madness that ensues is just, it's, it's expert filmmaking to a degree that I'm so, so, so impressed. And I, I know it's tough to talk about maybe without being able to talk about it, but I'm essentially saying if there's one fucking movie that you watch from this whole episode, it's gotta be this one. And we will be here I will be here to talk to you after you can message me on the top fives Instagram. I want to talk to whoever will talk to me about this movie because it is some some high level writing and execution.
1: I you know, this film is like I, I've heard of it, but it, it really hasn't been like on my radar at all. Like I haven't really been recommended it. So now I'm I'm just very intrigued.
0: Oh dude. Um,
1: I absolutely will check this out.
0: Yeah, if there's one thing for you to do, as my friend, is watch it so we can fucking talk about it because I know you're gonna be like, "Holy shit!"
1: This is just just a side note. How great is it when you just like go all in on a film, and then like your buddies watch it, and then they're equally all
0: in, and you could just talk about it for hours. It's might be might be one of the greatest feelings. It
1: really is. I mean, it's pretty basically why we have the podcast in general.
0: hundred percent. Wow. Okay. So Coherence, 2013, it's on Hulu right now. So easy to watch it. Talk to me after, everyone.
1: Fantastic. Okay. My number four, again, is decidedly more well-known than yours. Um, and that is an absolute classic of the subgenre. Also become a cult film over time. And that is 1979's The Warriors. Nice. Uh. Yeah, so... Uh, Walter Hill film. Uh, this is, yeah, 79. There's some interesting. I guess the main character is played by Michael Beck, but there's a, a fantastic young James Remar in there, uh, which I just love. Um, and the plot of this movie is so, so simple. Uh, it's taken from a novel for what it's worth, but it's so simple and it just sets off an, an immediately, you know, intense and gripping series of events. So it's uh, basically. All this, there's, there's thousands of gangs. It's all in New York. Um, and they all are having this like sort of gang summit where the premise is that they're going to agree to get together and like take over the city because um, there's simply not enough cops to stop them if they like join forces. And instead, one of the gangs uh, pulls a gun and kind of shoots the person that's leading the meeting and then blames it on this other gang. The Warriors, very similar to uh, what's that second Planet of the Apes movie town? Like second, oh, of the, uh, Dawn
0: of the Planet of the Apes.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's very similar to that situation. So everybody, so so essentially, every gang in the city thinks that the Warriors have broken this truce that no one was going to bring guns and it was going to be a peaceful meeting. And this gang has to make it all the way back from, uh, I think it's the Bronx to their home, which is on Coney Island, and. Again, there's like, there's so many gangs. Um, They've invented all these crazy gangs. You know, like there's a gang where, like there there's gangs based on race. There's gangs that just like, there's one gang that just wears overalls. Like that's their thing. There's like a, a baseball gang. You know, they just carry like baseball bats. So it's oh like everything you could possibly think of has created this like group of 40 violent people trying to kill this one like tiny representation of this other gang from Coney Island called the warriors and yeah, it's just all about them trying to get home and you know, everyone in the city is kind of communicating and trying to get to them. There's these great little like um, interludes about uh, this like radio DJ that keeps like playing these songs um, and leaving these like cryptic messages. So like everyone can hear them about like where they are and like what's recently happened and it's just, uh, man, I love like the New York footage, just like late seventies, like New York movies. I just love it. The creativity is great. I, I already said it, but the story is just so simple that it just it just works. Um, it does get a little bit repetitive over time, uh, but yeah, it's it's just it's just such a fantastic story, um, and you can't help but be kind of pulled in because it's it's life or death from you know just the very first minutes um, of the film.
0: Dude, I got to admit, this is one of like the five or so films that I hadn't seen or like that I still haven't seen after doing this that I wanted to and a big movie that I just haven't seen. But I'm definitely going to be watching it now.
1: Yeah, it's cool. I really I really think you'll dig it. And it's one that it wasn't really well received at the time. But like it's a film that I think like everybody knows, you know, I mean, it's in Wu-Tang lyrics. It's Mm -hmm. like it's all over the place. So it's it's cool how popular
0: it's gotten. Dude, it's, I feel like it's absolutely, yeah, absolutely a cult classic. Like, I feel, yeah, everyone knows what this movie is. So that's that's me, Warriors, number four. Number four, baby. Well, my number three. Oh, man. I was so fucking excited to talk about Coherence, but I'm equally, if not even more excited to talk about my number three. Because it is a film that, I'm going to just go out there on record and say I think it's maybe one of the most underrated films I can personally think of in the sense of I don't feel like this movie gets any of the credit it deserves. And that is 2011's Take Me Home Tonight.
1: Oh, I haven't seen this either.
0: Oh, my God, dude. This fucking movie Uh, Let me just say, I love it so much after this second viewing that I did of it this past week. I almost put it in the top two spots, but I just had two in there that I just I just could not justify moving because of the weight of how much I love each film. But like, let's just say I love it this much that over time it could even get higher on this list. So to give you guys a little background on Take Me Home Tonight, if you're not familiar with the film. It's a rom-com. It takes place in the 80s. It stars Topher Grace in the lead role. And then we have um, Teresa Palmer playing his, we'll say, the love interest. And then we also have Anna Faris. We have Dan Fogler, who, of course, later would be in the Fantastic Beasts films. Um, We have Chris Pratt, now one of the biggest superstars on the planet who plays sort of like a douchebag in this. Um, We have Michael Bean playing Topher Grace's father in this, who, of course, was in Aliens and The Terminator. And the reason he's in this film is because Topher was such a big fan of those films that he personally called him up asking if he'd be in this movie. Um, We've got Michelle Trachtenberg, who, of course, is also in Eurotrip and Buffy. uh, Michael Ian Black. We've got Dimitri Martin in it, and of, I mean the one and only Bob Odenkirk. Great cast, great cast, and essentially, it's it's four years after high school graduation. Um, Tofer Grace was sort of like a, a a boy genius in high school. He's working at this video store now at the mall, and her his sister, who's Anna Ferris, whose boyfriend is Chris Pratt. He has like an annual Labor Day party and Tofer actually decides to go his name. And this is Matt. But Matt decides to go because at the video store, he ran into his high school crush and he decides, you know, maybe this is the time where I finally maybe, you know, shoot my shot. And, and his best buddy is Barry, who's played by Dan Fogler. And they just have such a great dynamic the everyone fires on all cylinders in this film. And also for being a film made in 2011, I think they do such a fantastic job of really putting you in the feel of the eighties and you actually feeling like sort of all of the perfect eighties nostalgia between just how everyone looks, how every place looks certain pop culture, things that are brought up, the songs played in the film it literally starts out with Duran Duran hungry like a wolf hungry like a wolf and uh and video killed the radio star. It's so money. And I gotta say, like Teresa Palmer, I I I haven't seen her in too many things, but I truly think she is absolutely perfect in this movie and plays like the high school crush. Maybe my favorite version of that ever on film. I just think for me personally, I felt like I was Topher watching the movie. I was like, my God, she's just, she's unbelievable in it. This movie just kills and it's just there's so many different hilarious things that happen throughout the night, similar in that sense to Adventures in Babysitting, although we have a hard R here and it's absolutely hysterical. I love a good, you know, raunchy comedy, but yeah, this balances comedy with the rom-com very well. Um, And I just think it's such a fun trip back into the 80s that just pays off on every level. It just it's so, so good. And I'm shocked that this movie is as sort of, we'll call it hidden, but also, I mean, didn't get great reviews. It got fine, you know, sort of par for the course for this type of film, but Man, they, they, they do a great job. I just, this is as good as a fucking raunchy rom coms going to get. And it's they, they just do so well. And the director, Michael Dows, he also directed uh, Goon, which is sort of a bit of a cult favorite, starring Sean William Scott.
1: I, I didn't realize that anybody liked this movie. I just thought that, like, I saw the reviews. They weren't great, and I've never, yeah, another one that, like, it's not really on my radar to watch. Anytime soon. So I, I love what you're saying here. I love you repping the films that are somewhat underappreciated. I mean, I'm, I'm just loving your list so far.
0: Thanks. I've got bro. to check this one out as well. This this one, like, let me put it this way: I had w- seen it once and I'd remembered being like, "Whoa!" Like, this movie's really underrated. But rewatching it, I was going nuts at how good the movie is. Like, I was like, "This is an actual crime." I think it just came like three. You know, three years too late, you know, a lot of the Apatow films were coming out in like oh five, oh seven, oh eight. It's like I think this just was at the end of the wave and got a little bit lost in the shuffle, very unfairly, because I mean, you get a fucking awesome eighties flick that just it's it feels like a John Hughes movie. That's made in the in 2011. I mean, what is more fucking delightful than that?
1: I mean, on a, on a recent episode, you know, I included in my honorables. We have to bring Michelle Trachtenberg back. Bring her. So, I mean, I love that there's a movie that I haven't seen. You know, with her in it, and and I go agree with you, Teresa Palmer. I think we've talked about uh, Warm Bodies mm-hmm. on the pod once already, and she's also great in that film, Lights Out, with Maria Bella, who I just love dude Um, interesting horror film i think yeah i love it i love it Teresa fucking palmer i love her i'm just gonna say it i mean gosh i just love your list i can't even and i'm gonna go into my number three another extremely well-known film i feel like we're in a bit of bizarro world and i just can't get enough of it um okay my number three incredibly recent film i'm going to assume that you've seen it and many uh, many of our listeners have as well um, that is 2019's
0: Smart. Oh my god! Yes, of course I've seen it.
1: So this is uh, at the time of recording the the only feature directed by Olivia Wilde. I know she's got a couple things um, being worked on at the moment, um, starring Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Deaver. Yeah, it's about two girls that are like you know kind of the smart kids in class, and and on the eve of like graduation, they. You know, kind of realize that they haven't haven't lived it up quite enough, and they set out uh, a quest to do just that. Um, and the result is—I'm—I'm I'm very curious to see what you think. But the result is—it's—it's it's kind of like a—you know—it's kind of like a lady super bad. Like it's clearly pulling mm-hmm. from a lot of films that you know and love. I think it—it's um, kind of—I mean, I would call it a sex comedy. To be honest, it has considerable raunch factor. Hundred percent. But in, in, you know, an updated sort of smarter way, which I think is interesting. I think both leads are great. I, I think it's it's a, a pretty impressive debut for Olivia Wilde, for that matter. Um, it really feels like kind of an original voice. Um, and it's just, it's just a lot of fucking fun. I mean, I I do think that it it got, I hate to even say this about a film, but there was definitely a little bit of a debate when it came out about kind of, whether it was attempting to be sort of woke for the sake of wokeness, which is like always just a silly thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just works. It's great. I just love Beanie Feldstein and everything. I think she's fucking amazing. Um, and it's just, I just love this film. It's just such a fucking good time. It's just a smart, updated sex comedy, things that we really love.
0: So, Mike. You're not a fan. I'm not a fan. Okay. I wanted to be a fan, but I a little bit, I love you know how much I love Olivia Wilde and this movie and also you know how much I love Superbat so sort of getting a female version of that I loved the idea of it I don't dislike the film but I do think it underwhelmed me personally a lot of people f- love it I love that you love it because I feel like I haven't talked to a lot of my friends about this one so getting another opinion I like I like. But yeah, for me, I got to admit, I do think it's dumb when people say, oh, like you're making a movie for like, you know, just to just to be woke. I did feel a little bit of vibes at times in the movie where I sort of was like, "Okay, like, let's put it this way. As silly as I think that phrase is, I could somewhat understand what people we're getting it, but I think they—I think they phrased it very poorly by trying to like almost act like it was this awful thing that they would do that just to like just for the sake of doing. Like, you get what I'm trying to say?
1: So I—I—I I, I think what I'll say, and I hope that this is what people meant, and I know that this is what you're trying to say is, it doesn't matter at all that the characters are women. There's no reason to think that it's not going to be a great movie because of that. It doesn't matter at all that one of the characters is gay. That's great. It's fine. It works with the story. It makes sense. But there are little moments sprinkled in. For me, I feel like they were mostly earlier in the film um, that don't feel authentic. Yes. And I think that's the part of it where people who like, okay, I don't know that any 17 or 18-year-old would be saying these things. This feels like a 30 or 40-year-old imagining what a 17 year old wants to hear and like you know it's like that uh, Steve Buscemi like meme where he's like like hello fellow students you know what I mean <laughs> yes like, yes that, yes it, that is the part that like is not fantastic it has nothing to do with like sort of the representation in the film.
0: Yeah we love the representation in the film. I actually think one of the reasons I was intrigued to see the film more so than thinking oh this could be another super bad or another sort of movie like that is because I was like, oh, it's two girls. I'm excited to see that dynamic. When you have a gay character, that's a, again, these are all dynamics we haven't seen played out in this in this setting. So it's like, that actually intrigued me to see the film. It was what Mike's getting at. Some of these sort of moments that didn't feel as authentic. And no, I, I could understand, yeah, when it's two guys, maybe it could be more relatable to Mike or me. But even talking to like, the only people I've really spoken to the film about are, are girls. And a few of them... I'd say had some of the same critiques that I did. And so I find that very interesting. And again, I, I enjoyed the movie, but it got like insane rave reviews. And for me, it fell a little short.
1: The tomato scores are 96% tomato, 77% audience. I think that's pretty accurate in terms of like what I've seen or people that I've talked to. It, it's probably somewhere in the middle most people are have given it a fair chance and still like it, at least to some degree. Um, but it did get a little bit more hype, maybe, than it, than it deserved. But, which is all to say that I love it. I think it's great.
0: You do. And, and I love that it's on your list because I feel like I like Olivia Wilde, the blooming director. I mean, I love her acting as well. But I feel like this was a really great debut. And I'm really interested and excited to see what she has coming up next
1: yeah thousand percent
0: well i mean you truly my friend could not if you even tried provided me with a better segue because my number two is i gotta say it the superior version 2007 super bad
1: i mean no argument for me
0: (laughs) with that said i did not mean to be fucking snarky with that but super bad one of the greatest comedies of all time in my in my Humble opinion. And and fuck, man. I mean, talk about a movie that pretty much every guy who has graduated from high school can relate to. And Mike and I were exceptionally lucky in that this film came out in 2007, which is the year that we each graduated from high school. So we literally saw this a mere like month or two after graduating from high school. Or maybe I forget when it came out, maybe as maybe before we even had, but it was right around the time. And so it hit extra hard. It was sort of the next level for Avatar. You know, he had released uh, 40 year old Virgin, but then this came in and the writing genius of Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, we were bestowed with with this movie, which they started writing when they were 13 years old. And I mean, the cast is just insane. We've got Michael Sarah, and Jonah Hill in the two lead roles. We've got Emma Stone. We've got Seth Rogen and Bill Hader as the two cops. Christopher mintz as, I mean, the one and only McLovin. And then we just have some great people sprinkled in throughout. Kevin Corrigan, Dave Franco, David Krumholtz, Martin Starr, Danny McBride. This movie just insane. Uh, and it, of course, if you're unfamiliar, it's all about Seth and Evan, who are played, of course, by Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah. They're two high school seniors. They've been best friends since they've been their little kids. They're about to go off to different colleges. And uh, there's going to be a big party that night. And it just is this beautiful coming of age rom-com that, I mean, it, it really could not be more perfect. It's one of the most laugh out loud funny movies ever made. I mean I think we all remember the first time we saw the you scratch my back I'll scratch yours line and uh quotable for days it's got so much heart it's so authentic and it's one of those films where there's so many high school movies that you know maybe there's a there's a contingency of people that wouldn't enjoy them like maybe we adults wouldn't enjoy them like they're 14 sort of it is one of those rare movies that sort of across the board, I'd say most human beings love this movie. It's very well-rounded. And shout out to Greg, Greg, I hope I'm saying his last name right, Madala, because he's the one that actually directed this, of course. It's an Apatow film production, but he actually got behind the reins and directed this one. So uh, fuck, man. What, what else is there to say about Super Bad, Mike?
1: yeah i mean I, I it's it's just great i mean it's at, compared to some of the other apatel films i think this one just has that it has one of the best buddy relationships and it just kind of has that that charm that i think teen films have that some of his other ones don't um and it's just super approachable and that's why i think everybody loves it you know obviously it's made for people like us but i've yeah i don't think i've ever met a human that that doesn't love it and i have to say this one is it plays a lot on tv over here um And this has definitely become like a absolutely I have to stop and I'm going to end up watching the entire movie. Like, I think I'm just going to watch one scene, but it just you can't look away. No, you, you can't. Know? It's just it's just too good. And one of the most quotable movies of all time.
0: Agreed. It's I truly can only think of, you know, on, on one hand, probably other movies that are as quotable. um But it's like, obviously, we're in 2021 now. This is back in 2007. We're able to look back a little bit. But I truly believe, you know, each decade has a few coming of age films slash comedies that, you know, sort of define the decade. And I I think most people would agree Superbad might be the singular coming of age film of the of the 2000s. Yeah, it'll never agree. be forgotten. It's, I don't think
1: it's transcendent. It's it's just a fantastic film. Oh. In my house, we were just talking about the the spermicidal lube line, which is like – it's such a small thing, but it's so funny. It's like one little bottle of spermicidal lube. <laughs> just, oh, God. That whole little scene where they're waiting outside the, the, liquor, the store, liquor store. The liquor store. Like I got to get a glimpse of those warlocks. It just absolutely <laughs> kills me. Oh, my
0: God. There's not 60 seconds in the film where you don't laugh.
1: No, exactly. It's every little line of dialogue is just so fucking dense and well thought out. It's so fucking
0: funny. Unreal. Unreal. Incredible.
1: Okay. Love that pick. That could be a top five on any list. Yes. Really, and I would feel great about it. Well, that's good because I kind of thought my number two might make it onto your list somewhere, but I highly doubt it's going to be number one, so I'm happy to be representing it. And I'm not sure when the last time you would have seen this film. I know you have seen it, um, but I'm not sure when the last time you would have, because it came out in 2006. It stars, you know, one of our favorites. We, we need like some sort of podcast, like Hall of Fame. I, I don't know exactly how we honor we this person. We do need to do but
0: that.
1: He's, he's one of our favorite. Maybe he's the first inductee, and that's Paul Walker, because I'm going to is Running
0: Scared. Oh, baby, you know. That I considered putting it on the list.
1: Running Schward is just, I, I just have to say, you know, I haven't seen this since it came out. And then I watched it like this last week. You know, I remembered enjoying it. But like between the time that it came out, 2006, and now 2021, like my film tastes have changed to essentially just be this film. Like it's grown with me in that way where it's just like a hyper stylish modern exploitation film and i just fucking loved it i can't believe how much how great it was
0: dude it's so good It's so
1: fucking great it's so fucking intense i mean it's it's just from from bell to bell you know it's an absolute wild ride like totally captures the feeling um it it somehow you know it has the right thing for crazy night films where it just keeps upping itself maybe even too high you know what i mean it just keeps going places that you never expected to go Um, that that, 100% I don't even know like this is already one of those that's like not sure they make them like this anymore you know like would this movie come out today probably not no probably not
0: no some of the shit that they do dude is insane and like the fucking oh the yeah, with the kids, the people that do this yeah. stuff to the kids—I mean, that's one of the darkest things I can think of in in movies.
1: It's so dark, and and the fact that this yep. somehow like it miraculously lands on its feet at the end is is just incredible. And I mean, this is it's Paul Walker's best role. Have to say it; it's the best that he'll ever do
0: um 100 i
1: just fucking love vera farmiga man i just love her so much like she's so good in it and then that she gets involved later on like with the kids scene um it's just fucking great i just dude man this film is fucking awesome
0: <laughs> i fucking love how much you are repping running Scare right now i'm gonna be honest i was thinking about putting it at number five because i also similarly like absolutely love it have seen this movie a million times I incorrectly realized I thought I had put it on our over the top action movies list and I think I just had it as an honorable but I was like oh yeah yeah like I'll talk about it in the honorables like I don't want to you know I wanted to get some new sh- some new blood in but uh, oh my god I-, I realized I think I was mistaken and I'm so happy that this is your number two because this movie is talk about underrated movies like yes. I've said it. I said it about Take Me Home Tonight. Oh, my God, though. In terms of like sort of film lovers and shit, Running Scared, if you are truly like a bit of a cinephile, this movie is worth going to see. It is so dark. It works so well. And like it just hits so many different notes. It's it's crazy that it was so didn't get any recognition really when it came out. No, forty
1: one percent Rotten Tomatoes, seventy nine audience. So I mean that's you know That says a lot. And and I didn't know this dude, but so yes, some of it is filmed in Jersey, but I think the bulk of it is filmed in Prague, my favorite city on earth. And why is it, it, is, why is it filmed it in Prague? Is. I have no idea.
0: It's just part of it's part of the legendary status of the movie. I just love like it. why just love we it. don't know. Oh my god, it's so good. The hockey puck at the end. Oh man.
1: Man, Paul Walker is fucking good in this, bro. He's actually
0: good. He's it always. I saw this movie in theaters. I want everyone to know. Like it was you have to remember, this movie was not like crazily like wide release. I mean, it was released wide, but like nobody saw this movie in theaters. And I have tried to champion this movie for so long. People always say, oh, Paul Walker, he's a so-so actor. He kills it in this movie. Absolutely kills it. Like there's not you cannot say a bad thing about his performance in no, this movie.
1: It's it's a great choice to cast him and, and he's great. Mm-hmm. I mean he's and he has great chemistry with Rio Formiga as well. I mean, they're like a great, great. couple. Great.
0: I love it. You fully buy it. Also the kids great too. Oh, Cameron Bright, yeah. 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 I mean,
1: this is just yeah. If you haven't seen this film, go check it out.
0: Absolutely. And you you know, you guys know I'm a massive, massive, massive Lost fan. And we get a little Elizabeth Mitchell in, Mitchell in there. And she's a, she's a pretty fucked up <laughs> character. Yeah, <bro. laughs> yeah, not cool. We don't love her in this, but we do love the movie. So you got to see Running Scared, people.
1: What a great number two. I can't wait to find out what your number one
0: is. All right. I'm going to be honest. When this whole thing started, there really was only one choice for me. And... Oh. So let, let me go and start and say one of my favorite things about one crazy night movies is I love how in Super Bad and Take Me Home Tonight and Adventures in Babysitting that they take course over a night and like so many different things happen. So it's like there's many different settings, different places, different, you know, trouble that they get themselves into. But then there's a movie like my number one that it's a lot of trouble, but it takes place in one place. But to me, it's just, it's one of my most rewatchable films of all time. I watch this a minimum once a year, if not quite a few times more. 1988's Die Hard. Oh,
1: wow. Okay. For some reason, I thought that was leading to Dazed and Confused. I don't know what.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, like honestly, which is one of my first honorables. I love Dazed and Confused so much, but one, I realized like half the movie, well, maybe not half, eh, a lot of it takes place in the day, which that's fine. But like, I don't know, I rewatched it this past week, and I, I love it so much. But I also found there to be maybe more rewatchability in all the movies that I picked for my top five, if that makes sense. And I think Days and Confuse is pretty rewatchable. But, but, but anyway, to Die Hard. To me, it's the absolute, like, even though if maybe it's not quintessential in that, no, it's not like people end up like going from this place to that place to this place. For a movie that takes place in one night, there's just nothing better for me. I mean, this movie literally starts as it is getting dark out pretty much. And it ends, I I think, maybe while it's still dark out or like maybe right as the sun's coming up at the end. I mean... Bruce Willis, John McClane, one of the most iconic characters of all time. You got, you know, Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber, who also is just one of the all time villains. You get a Christmas movie. You get one of the best action movies ever made. Um, You know, Bruce Willis plays John McClane, who's NYPD officer. He is in L.A. over Christmas time because his wife Uh, who he's he's a bit estranged from at the moment. Uh, She's got a Christmas party in Nakatomi Plaza in L.A. He gets in there. The building is taken hostage by terrorists and uh, Mr. McLean has to save the day. And he goes through as much as a single human being could go through in one building in one night. And it's just, it's epic. I mean, it. I just can't. I could not not have it be number one. It's like truly might be my most watched movie. Like I watch it so much, and I never get tired of it.
1: It's it's maybe the sneakiest one, Crazy Night film, because it absolutely is. But I think that people don't think of it that way. Agreed. It's it's. But I mean, it's just by definition, it is. It is. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 fucking diehard. I mean, what can you say?
0: It's just. It's fucking. Great. You can say yippee Kaye, motherfucker.
1: There are some. There are a few other. At least one other Bruce Willis movie that you could put in with one Crazy Night
0: films. I would say. I did not get a chance to watch it, but that's one of the ones I'm looking forward to watching. This are we week.
1: talking about Blind Date?
0: We are. Oh my god,
1: fantastic! I cannot wait for you to watch Blind Date. Oh my uh, god,
0: I'm so excited. It's
1: you know, oh God. There's some things about it that are just incredible, but then like also. Some of the way they treat Kim Basinger is just not fair. It's just not fair. But oh, anyway, boy. I would that's oh, a separate blind date. I mean, Die Hard. You've already said it. I mean, it's just it's a great film. It's absolutely a staple of you know any number of action subgenres, um, and it's just yeah, it's it's Die Hard.
0: It's Die Hard. And and look, I I go on the record saying my favorite type of one crazy night film is typically your super bad type film where they're moving from from scenario to scenario different places but there's just something about this movie it is just too good it has a mission and it executes with absolute just i mean you can it, there could not be a better execution than what they set out to do with Die Hard and how it came out. It's just perfect. Love that.
1: That's a great number one. I absolutely love that. I can't believe I I didn't. I should have known that, um, but I'm glad I wasn't expecting it. Okay, my number one. I'm very curious if you've seen this movie uh, or if you've come across it, let's say this week even. Definitely uh, not an extremely well-known film. Oh my God, if
0: it's what I think, I'm going to lose it.
1: Oh, wow. uh, Okay, so... My pick, number one, it's technically 88, but it really came out in 89, uh, the greatest year that we were born, and that is Miracle Mile.
0: Wow. Okay. That's not what I thought, but that is one of the movies that I need to watch that's on my to watch from this topic list, and I can't wait for you to go into it. I thought maybe you were talking about Jim Jarmusch's Night on Earth.
1: Oh, no. Oh, that's, that would be – you know what? I really didn't consider that, but that would be an interesting pick as well. No, no, no. Solid film.
0: Great film, which I actually just watched today.
1: Okay. Uh, Miracle Mile.
0: Miracle Mile.
1: I So the, the guy that directed this and wrote this is Steve DeJarnit. Um, he only directed one other film called Cherry 2000 with uh, Melanie Griffith. Shout out Alex, holding it down for Melanie Griffith. Wow. And it is starring Anthony Edwards and Mayor Winningham. And this film is almost better if I said nothing, but obviously I want to justify it somewhat because the first like 10 minutes play like almost like a rom-com. You know, these people kind of have a whirlwind romance and and they're not, you know, they're certainly accomplished actors, but they're not like people that jump off the screen as sort of leads in, in like a major Hollywood production, which I think adds to kind of the... You know, almost like the realness of the, them falling in love. And then basically they agree to meet um, sort of after work at midnight one day at this like coffee shop. And uh, Anthony Edwards, his the power goes out. And this is such an 80s thing, but the power goes out. And so his alarm clock like resets. So he takes a nap so that he can meet her at midnight. But he wakes up at like 4 a.m. or 3.30 or something like that. So obviously, she's not there anymore. She's pissed that he didn't meet him um, and he's freaking out. So he runs over to the diner. Um, you know, he gets on the payphone. He calls her and is like, Oh my God, this happened. I'm so sorry. Like that type of thing. She doesn't answer because it's fucking four in the morning. And because he's standing by the payphone, payphone rings and he gets a call. You know, he just picks it up thinking it might be her. And it's some rando on the phone and the rando seems to imply that he was trying to call his dad to let him know that you know he works at like a nuclear base and nuclear weapons have just been launched and the world is basically going to be over in the next like 2 hours holy shit yeah it's a, it's an incredibly dramatic like change in tone so now like without saying what happens like now anthony edwards has to decide like what to do with this information so he and he so essentially he takes the threat seriously and it just unleashes this complete chaos and pandemonium um which just gets super intense it's it's like it never ever lets up it's like it's really like one of those films where like you have to catch your breath like all the time because it's just so intense. And it also leaves you with like the whole time during the film, you don't know if this is fake. You know what I mean? Like that could be a prank call. And what would you do? Like is this pandemonium justified? Is it not? And, and which would even be worse? You know, like people are in a panic regardless of the truth. Um, and it all leads to this crazy ending that was like, this script floated around Hollywood for like a decade and no one wanted to make it because the ending, they wanted to like rewrite the ending. Um, and eventually Steve DeJarnett uh, ended up optioning it himself basically just so that he could, he could keep his original ending. And it's just, it's for sure for my take, the most intense one crazy night movie. And it's, it's a. Wow, it's a ride, for sure. Only 87 minutes, but wow, it is a ride.
0: Dude, I need to see this. This is, again, I came up with a really nice like need-to-watch list from all these type of films, and... There's still a a good handful that I need to watch. And and this is near the very, I mean, now it is at the very top of the list, but it already was close.
1: That's great, man. Yeah, I cannot wait for you to watch this um, and find out what you think. It's it's a really underseen film, um, and I would encourage everybody to see this.
0: Sounds insane, honestly.
1: It is insane. It really is.
0: Oh, my God. So Miracle Mile came out in 1989, technically, you said. Yeah, yeah. The great year of our birth. Um, yes, indeed. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. Should we recap our lists?
1: Let's do it. Go ahead.
0: Okay. So I am number five, Adventures in Babysitting. Number four, Coherence. Number three, Take Me Home Tonight. Number two, Super Bad. Number one, Die Hard.
1: And I'm number five. Collateral. Number four. The Warriors. Three. Booksmart. Two. Running Scared. And one. Miracle Mile.
0: Well, we got to dive into some honorables.
1: Let's do it. Hit um, me
0: with so I'm. I'm not going to mention anything we mentioned in the episode. I feel like we mentioned quite a handful throughout the app. Yeah. But ones that we haven't, I wanted to say. Of course, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Naturally. Um, a movie that I. Didn't include because I felt like it was cheating, but and I didn't feel like cheating for an episode with so many great options, but Dude, Where's My Car, which obviously Hmm. is what happens over the course of a day because of a crazy night. Right, right. I'm going to say a movie that i had never seen until this week that had always been on my list, American Graffiti.
1: Oh, what do you think of American Graffiti? I really like it.
0: I really liked it. Yeah, I was like, I I feel like I haven't seen a lot of movies that, well, that's a a lie. I felt like it'd been a while since I'd seen a movie that dealt with that time period. And just seeing sort of a Dazed and Confused-ish film, but for that time period was so interesting. And just then reading up about the film after and how so many critics said it's like a perfect representation of what that time was like yeah it just was a really interesting film i i really enjoyed it
1: yeah totally agree and i think that uh, you can feel the authenticity in that film which is great and i also like i'm actually not a huge fan of like the first 45 minutes or so but mm-hmm. then as it goes on it makes you realize like just how much you've identified with and in your rooting for the characters it's it's a really really good film
0: yes and I have some more, but I'm just gonna give one more before I hand it over to you for a bit because I really wanted to throw out an absolute Mike deep cut. Yes. Um 1948's rope.
1: Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't considered that at all.
0: So I only, of course, considered it because I was sort of digging deep and this was on a couple lists, and I was like, and so I was like, I need to watch it. And I was like, I'm gonna fucking stun Mike. So I watched Hitchcock's Rope. And by the way, really really interesting movie. I I did feel like the ending was a little bit underwhelming for like the build up throughout the film, but it's it's really enjoyable and uh I I really couldn't believe it was made in the 40s. I it it looked great. But yeah, it's it's non-traditional we'll say one night film because it does all take place at night but it's all in an apartment
1: well great great segue because i yeah i will say that i i didn't do anything i didn't really consider anything like horror because there are a lot of horror films that take place over one night but it just wasn't the feel that i was looking for fully agree for my list i did i'll mention now that one i think you know Sort of a deeper cut that people might not be aware of is Cheap Thrills. I think we've talked about it maybe on the Patreon, but it's a it's a really interesting film. It's very similar to Funny Games, but it's a lot more what I would call like a 1% horror. It's focused on like economic disparity, um, and that's why it's happening rather than like a, a family situation. Okay. So I would check that out if, if you're looking for something in that realm. But otherwise, I steered clear. Um After Hours probably would have made my list if we didn't talk about it in the Scorsese episode. Yep. Good Time. uh, Oh, yeah. That movie. Um, I think he's he's fantastic in that. Uh, Go. uh, I'm not sure if you've seen that film, but that's obviously, I mean, Timothy Alishwad. He should probably be in our Hall of Fame as well. That's a really cool
0: film. That's a great film.
1: Um, And maybe something more in sort of the the art house. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen Holy Motors. No, I actually
0: haven't. That's a wild film. Ooh, I'm gonna write that I mean, one down right it's,
1: now. It's it's even more art house than something like Lynch, but it's I would call it like Lynch adjacent. So I think you might dig it.
0: Okay, dope. I definitely am gonna check that one out. Um, couple more to throw into the into the ring. I'm gonna say uh, Game Night.
1: Oh yeah, that's
0: good. It's it's a good film. Um, can't hardly wait.
1: Fantastic. Clue. Yep. Another good one.
0: And you know what? If I'm, or you okay? Few more the night before another Christmas movie with Seth Rogen. You seen that one?
1: Uh, I have, and that's pretty good, but sorry, I just paused for a second. Cause there's also a film called the night before with Keanu Reeves, which would, which would qualify.
0: Yes. Which I'm go. That's another one I want to watch. Um, which is amazing that there's two movies called the night before in this fucking category. Uh, and yeah, I guess just to throw in a couple horrors, I'm going to go ready or not. Yeah. 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 Which is very fun. Uh, great movie, the invitation, which I know we talked about on a recent episode and you're next, which is another fun one.
1: I will. Let's see. I'll throw three or four more out there. I'm just, I feel like we should say eyes wide shut. Like, wow. Yes, 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 yes. yes um suburbia is like a sort of lesser known Linklater film um that's that's it's maybe a little bit less fun than Dazed and confused but if you're into that you might want to check it out uh victoria is like a german i don't know kind of crime movie that i think is interesting and the last one i'll say is just in terms of just like bonkers stuff that you could find on the internet uh get crazy is uh it's it's a wild film that's like rock parody with like all kinds of gags in it like similar to almost like airplane but malcolm McDowell's in it like it's it's a crazy ass movie so if you're looking for something bonkers get crazy would not be a bad place to start
0: i definitely want to check that one out and i'll i'll say mike i just have a question for you if you've seen any of these films cuz here's a few that i i heard are pretty good for for the genre but i haven't gotten to yet have you ever seen 200 cigarettes
1: you know i haven't that's that that also made it to my sort of watch list but i was never going to get to it
0: mm-hmm. and then uh also four rooms
1: oh with the tarantino like does one of yeah those robert rodriguez yeah i have seen that that wouldn't be bad as well
0: and then i guess the one other one that i've i saw quite a bit thrown around into the night with Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer, 1985.
1: I have to really say that like, I don't like that. that that's like maybe one of the most overrated films I've ever seen. Like I really, I don't get it. Like, and I'm so into it. Like I love Jeff Goldblum and, and Michelle Pfeiffer. It's just not very fun, <laughs> that's the thing. Like it's Interesting. just the fun. And that's yeah. But I I mean, I would check that out. Like it is a a pretty big one in the subgenre, but it's not Mm -hmm. for me.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll have to maybe check it out. I guess the only other movie I watched this week that I hadn't seen before that I haven't mentioned yet is Before We Go, which is uh, Chris Evans, maybe his directorial debut. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was anything to necessarily write home about. But interesting. Interesting if you've got an hour and a half to kill.
1: Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen that either. All right. Wow. I feel like we really, this is kind of its a bit of a longer episode just for the two of us. I feel like we really went deep on the subgenre. I'm We pretty really happy. did.
0: This one really struck me, this topic, man. It just fun topic, fun, fun types of films to really dive into for a week or two. It, it's, it's been a treat.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree um lots of fun uh, and hopefully we've I'm I'm confident that none of our listeners have seen all of our picks let's say that I'm sure nope. that we've turned people onto new films so always love to do that
0: and and look if you want a really out there film I know Mike and I very briefly mentioned it but Jim Jarmusch's Night on Earth is five different locations around the world five different taxi drivers and their experience uh over the course of this one night and you get about 20 to 25 minutes with each and just a really, really interesting film. You have a young Winona writer in there and uh, a young, a young Giancarlo Esposito who of course plays Gus in Breaking Bad. But yeah, I thought I, that movie really was interesting to me, man stuck with me, but anyhow, that's it. And, if you want to talk to us about any of these movies, especially me after you all go watch coherence, hit us up at Top Fives and Deep Dives on Instagram, Top Dives on Twitter. And yeah, if you wanna help us out, you can go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, write up a little something. It takes about 30 seconds, it's free, It'd be amazing. If you haven't checked out our Patreon yet, and that's something that would interest you you can check us out patreon.com slash top fives and deep dives and we have so much fun bonus content on there we talk about so many more movies and just beyond movies movies tv music books whatever it's a really fun time so check that out if you want but uh, we love you guys it's been a great app and uh, we'll see you next week peace out top fives deep dives top fives deep Dives the
1: town of PTM Top Vives Deep Dives to Town of Ptm. Top Vives Deep Dives to Town of PtM My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese, followed by Quainton Tarantonius
0: Yippy Kaye motherfucker.